Hi, and welcome to My ADHD Superpower Is, a podcast about reframing ADHD by focusing on what we excel at, both in our professional and personal lives. My name is Sean, and I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 42. I always believed that you had to be an eight-year-old fidgety boy to get diagnosed with ADHD. It wasn't until I read an article about ADHD in women that I realised I had many of the same struggles and characteristics growing up. For years, I labelled myself as lazy or useless at certain things that others found really easy, like paying bills or attending and remembering appointments. And the ADHD diagnosis meant that I finally had an explanation for those struggles. ADHD isn't always a superpower, but by choosing to focus on our unique strengths and by being more accepting and forgiving of our weaknesses, I believe that we can live happier, more fulfilled lives. You're in the right place if you want to know how you can survive and thrive with ADHD in the corporate environment and how you can juggle many hobbies and be a parent and generally succeed at adulting in a neurotypical world. On today's episode, I'm going to get into my life kind of growing up with undiagnosed ADHD and hopefully there's things that you can kind of identify with or recognize when in maybe your family members. First of all, everyone with ADHD is different. So I just want to kind of make that really clear and everyone's unique. Um, but hopefully there's some things here that you'll maybe recognize or resonate with you or maybe you're just interested. can't really remember exactly what age I was, but I, I guess I've always known that I was a bit different somehow, which I've heard other people with ADHD comment on as well. The way I used to kind of think about things, see see the world was just just different. You know, people who are non-neurotypical tend to have this innate kind of sense of knowing that they're a little bit different from a young age. I was probably about four when, four or five, something like that in school. And I remember looking around at the other kids and seeing their drawings that they'd done. For example, you know, grass, um, sky, sun, um, some people walking along. And I thought, why is everyone drawing a kind of thin blue line at the top of the picture? The sky is kind of all around us. And, you know, why why are the other kids drawing the arms halfway down the body kind of sticking out of the body when the you know the arms start from the top of the body um so yeah I was just I would just see these things and kind of wonder why and I think some of that was that I just had a really good visual ability really and it was very very artistic very creative from quite a young age and the other thing I think was a little bit of defiance so when a lot of kids they just tend to copy their peers whereas there was a little bit of defiance in me that was kind of like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of copy these drawings and also a little bit of just being able to see and recognize that they weren't representative of what was around me I wanted to create something that looked more real so yeah I was drawing the drawing quite advanced things and first of all I want to say that I think every kid has a talent and every kid is unique and I wasn't I wasn't special or anything like that. I just just really liked drawing and 
and just really enjoyed it. So I guess that was that was one of the things that made me think I was a little bit different from some of the other kids. And another another thing I think that was maybe a little bit different from some of the other kids as well was if I did something wrong or or if I broke something or damaged something. I remember one time, I guess I must have been about oh I want to I want to say something like 6. And my friend over the road, this boy, he was having a party and his mum had set up these she set up this almost like obstacle course in the garden. And at the end of the obstacle course, there was a broken water bottle of of the rabbit that they had. And I managed to convince myself that I'd actually come out of the tunnel and knocked over this water bottle for the rabbit. And I ran home and I ran home and I wouldn't, you know, I was just really distraught and I wouldn't I wouldn't talk to my mum about it. My mum's kind of like, why are you not at the party? Go go and enjoy yourself, go, go to the party. And then my friend's mum came and kind of looking for me, like, where's, where's Sean? And then then I opened up and said that, oh, I, I'm really sorry I broke the, the water bottle of the rabbit. And the mum was saying, oh, no, that was already, that was already broken. Don't worry, it wasn't, wasn't you. But yeah, just, I had this overwhelming kind of like, feeling of dread and feeling of um I'd done this terrible thing and it was sometimes things things really deeply wounded me like if I if I thought I'd done something wrong and that could be that could be breaking something but it could also be maybe I'd say something and somebody would look at me weirdly and I'd really you know think for hours about what did I say you know why did that person look weirdly at me and people with ADHD can have this RSD or rejection sensitive dysphoria and that means that we feel this huge amount of shame and very deep pain it can manifest in many different ways but yeah I just I just remember having this really deep kind of feeling of um, being judged from quite a young age and as and as a child and a teenager that's really really difficult because you're already going through a difficult period but if you add into that there's this kind of really deeply painful reaction to <laughs> to rejection yeah it's it, it was really tricky I think other things that I never really thought about yeah nev- never really thought about this um growing up but it, I guess I guess I never could read a book you have to read books for school and I and I would be able to eventually do it but it was painful and I probably didn't read a novel until I was in my 20s. And those were usually um, the Bronte sisters because I absolutely loved the stories. But yeah, I mean, that was that was obviously a little bit of a hyper focus. I was able to kind of concentrate on those books because I there was something I loved. It wasn't really until I started traveling into London and I had about an hour on the train and the tube that... I was able to read and that that was kind of pre-smartphone days I'm sure if if I'd have had a smartphone then I would have would have been using the smartphone instead but I I did read novel after novel you know I would get through a couple of novels in a in a week but I think some of that was really to get over the boredom because it would have been so painful kind of sitting on the train or or the tube without having something you know to entertain me so yeah I never really questioned that but just just kind of 
reflecting on that 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 is maybe a bit unusual maybe less so now because I'm kind of more comfortable in my own skin and more accepting but it was it was quite a trigger when people would say things like oh you know life is reading and I read x number of novels a week and almost there's almost this sense of you're a better human being if you read a book kind of in a similar way to you know you're you're more worthy as a human if you can get up really early it's kind of saintly there's there's a little bit of that associated with being able to read you know novels and and I don't really like that or support that because there's many reasons why people maybe can't read novels you know maybe they have dyslexia or learning disability or ADHD and and it's a little bit ableist and I'm not really a fan of that so I I can understand why people do feel triggered now I mean I don't know I haven't really (laughs) seen scientific evidence for this necessarily and maybe it maybe it's linked with some other other characteristics but one thing that I I have and I know that I've seen other people kind of talk about it in forums that I that I'm a member of and just just seeing it online in other videos from people with ADHD I have this unwavering ability to believe that I can do anything and it's really hard to explain because if you've ever met me I'm quite a quiet kind of softly spoken really not particularly extroverted not overly confident I'm quite happy to kind of you know, work in, work in a team and, and not be the lead and, and kind of fade into the background. So it's not linked with kind of narcissism or anything, anything like that. I just, I just kind of have this sense of, oh, well, if I can't do something and then I'll learn how to do it or, you know, no, nothing will stop me from trying. I think that's kind of how I've ended up, you know, learning all of these different skills I mean, I might learn the skills enough to be proficient. I'm probably not going to be the best person in the world at some of these skills, but why would you need to be? And I think this is this is one of the beauties of people with ADHD that we have multi, we're multi-talented kind of individuals. And I think in the corporate world, that's actually really advantageous because especially right now, companies are kind of getting rid of support functions like, you know, finance and admins and project managers. And now, you know, even really senior people are having to do those things themselves. And, and this is where the multi-talented kind of skills come in, because I'm able to do all of those things myself and, and other useful things, you know, that, that maybe not everyone is able to do. Another thing that I've seen banded around on memes and you know in the forums and things like that is so I have this thing and I probably lost some friends over it and I do think it does make me and others kind of misunderstood and people interpret it in a way that is maybe oh I'm a narcissist and I just only care about myself but I do this thing where and it's linked with more empathy than anything else but if somebody says I'm having a bad day it'll be kind of oh me too you know but it's not it's not oh I'm just going to flip this the conversation onto me now because I don't really care about you it's, it's meant to be kind of like a empathetic you know oh I'm having a bad day too Let, let's kind of discuss together sort of thing so that's one example but the other example is 
sometimes when people are talking about something, friend of theirs, telling a story, if it resonates with me, I might kind of jump in and go, oh my God, I know somebody like that. And I kind of hate myself when I'm doing it because I think, oh no, you know, that person's going to think I'm interrupting them and I'm I'm disrespecting them and I can hear my mum's voice kind of, don't be rude, Sean, you're embarrassing, you know. And yeah, it it's something that I never really thought about, but I kind of always knew, almost hated myself for it, was just that interrupting and kind of, um, yeah, I could I could see the look sometimes on people's faces, like, oh God, she's so rude, or, oh, here she goes again, like talking about herself or things like that. And I know that I've not really lost friend friends, but I definitely had people not not talk to me or kind of ghost me after that and it's really interesting when you reflect on these things um, and why they might be perceived in in a different way to how you're kind of thinking in your mind and just just going back to the artistic point I think one of the things that I've kind of seen recently in feedback on me and at work and is I'm I'm kind of able to connect ideas and connect people so you know somebody might say mention something about a product project and it will trigger me to kind of think oh I'm sure another person um, is doing a project similar to this or maybe there's some things that you can take from this project into that project you know and that and that's something I do a lot at work and I think this is where some of the creativity comes from because I'm able to kind of see see something in the real world and think how that can be applied to what I'm doing at work. Something that I've often thought about from a really young age, I I remember kind of watching the news or or hearing about, you know, some environmental problem and I would be sitting there with my my little mind kind of thinking, "Oh, maybe they could do this or that." And I would and I would sort of share it with my parents and I think or or, or you know, an uncle or something. And you'd hear, oh, that's a great idea, you know. <laughs> and I think this is this is where, like, again, again, it's kind of linked to creativity. But I think, I think, um, just there's something, definitely something very entrepreneurial about the way I think. Something else that I was thinking about. So we know that with ADHD, um, you know, working memory can be a challenge. And I, th- this is a strange one because. I'll instantly forget someone's name and I'll often forget words when I'm saying halfway through. So yeah, you can imagine editing this is really fun. Um, <laughs> but if I'm really passionate about something, like I really loved school, really, really loved school and a lot of the university course, not all of the courses. And I think this is why it was a little bit of a challenge for me. But if I'm really passionate about something, then I will be able to remember every little detail and have this incredible memory. But access to words and access to kind of thoughts in the moment can be really, really tricky. It's it's hard to explain, but it was very useful for when I was studying because I would be able to really quickly in an exam or or um yeah, re- be able to recall all of the lesson because it was obviously something that I was deeply interested in. But then other other types of memory, you know, were not were not so good. You know, it would be things like I remember the day that so and so died because, you know, it was raining and it was a Thursday and I think it was January the 14th, you know, those kinds of things. But 
what was I talking about? What did I come into this room for? Um, what's the word for that? What's his name? You know, th- those kinds of things would be really difficult for me. And this is, this is something quite unique to women and girls, I think, with ADHD. But when when I was a kid, I wasn't kind of disruptive in class. I was, on the contrary, I was really quiet and in my own little world all the time. And I think this is why um, for many years, ADHD wasn't recognized in women because we tend to internalize our hyperactivity. So that might look like kind of daydreaming and and really going off on a tangent in my mind. So I, I think as a kid, I was always daydreaming and then I wasn't paying attention and things like that. Something to look out for sure, especially with um, with girls with ADHD, that the hyperactivity might not be kind of external and it might actually be internal. So I think I think that's most of the things that I remember about growing up really that maybe in hindsight were a little bit weird or different. I'd love to hear from you too like if there's anything else that I've missed or anything that you felt as you were growing up or saw a loved one as they were growing up. Just drop me a comment. And that's the end of this week's episode. Um, Stay tuned and hit follow if you like what you hear and um, look out for new episodes coming every Sunday. Thanks for listening.